Today's scripture reading is from Romans 8.26-27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what He ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless grounds. And He who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Alright, thank you. Okay, so... Um, we are in our third and what's going to be our, our final week of, of this series that we are calling Life with the Trinity. Um, I'm not sure how many of you have been able to, to be here for both of the previous weeks or, or maybe were able to listen to the sermons online. Uh, I do encourage you again to, to go back and listen. Um, believe it or not, there is an intentional flow to these things. Uh, it's not that you have to have heard the previous two to understand this. Um, but there is a, there is a some purpose behind uh, the way we're doing this. Um, and I've said this every week, but I'll just say it again. Uh, what we're trying to do here uh, in our series is um, to, to allow the, the, the fact, right, the reality that God is, he's uh, the word triune, right? He is three in one, to shine a light on certain aspects of our life as followers of Jesus. Okay? So... Two weeks ago, we looked at Ephesians 1, the, the blessing of, of redemption, right? That, that the God extending his own blessedness to his people by blessing us, uh, right? And our redemption, our salvation, willed by God the Father, right? Accomplished in God the Son and applied to our hearts uh, by God the Holy Spirit, right? It's a Trinitarian act all the way through. Uh, last week, we looked at the love of God for John uh, 4, uh, Gospel John chapter 17, in God's eternally loving nature. That he has always been loved. As three in one. He has always existed as a relationally loving God. And now extends that to us. I encourage you to go back and, and listen, listen to that. Uh, and so today we're going to jump into to one more aspect of this. Uh, I know that you can just read from Romans 8. But we're actually going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I know, just pulled one on you. So go ahead and turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Start, starting in verse um, in verse six, uh, and if you have the bulletin, I think we have have it printed on there as well. Um, so let me, as you're turning there to First Corinthians two, let me give you kind of the, the broader context because uh, I am pulling some verses out and um, and just hammering on one theme, right? So I'm not giving you everything in these verses, but the broader context, right? The Apostle Paul is ministering uh, to a mixed group of people throughout his ministry, right? There are Jews and there are Gentiles, or Greeks. Um, and he runs into certain reoccurring patterns of what people really want him to be all about, right? So broadly speaking, he's saying, this is in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, um, the Jewish people, which he himself is Jewish, that, that what they want is evidence of God's power, right? Your preaching, your ministry should show evidence of God's power. And by that you mean like miracles and certain um, and, and certain aspects of what they preconceived notions of what power is. And Greeks, what they want is evidence of deep wisdom. Show me that you're a thinker. Right? Uh, in Acts chapter 17, I believe it is, uh, when Paul is in Athens and Luke writes that. Basically, they just sat around and started talking about all the latest ideas. Right? That's what they want. So Paul proved to me that you're a deep thinker with deep wisdom. And Paul does. He gives them God's answer to both of those things. The demand for power and the demand for wisdom. And that is the cross. 
Okay. Now, if I were preaching a series on 1 Corinthians, I would go into detail about how that's the answer, but I'm not, so we're just gonna, you're just going to live with it. Uh, this does inspire me. Maybe someday we need a 1 Corinthians series. I know. Um, I wrote one out this week, and it's 20 weeks long, so we'll, we'll see how we fit a 20-week series into our church. Um, okay, but um, we're going to start, we're going to pick up in verse 6. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Um, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a second. Now you notice uh, part of what Paul is doing here, it's you know, this question of, okay, are you preaching deep wisdom? And he says, yes, we do preach wisdom. Only the mature get it. Right? And little side note, this is actually one of my favorite smackdowns in all of Scripture, right? Because what's the point here? You know, are you are you wise? Are you wise? Oh yeah, this is wisdom. And if you were mature, you would understand it. Right? So where are you? Do you get it? If not, maybe you're not as mature and as wise as you think you are, right? Uh, and so what is, what is it? He's preaching the mystery that requires God's wisdom to understand. Without the wisdom of God, you cannot understand the mysteries of God. So the cross, in this, in this example here, the cross does not make sense. Um, what, what God has, has destined, right? What does it say? The mystery has been hidden. God destined for our glory before time began. I'm just going to point this out. But before time began, you realize that, and I actually did not set out to do this, but in each passage we focused on, in this series, it talks about before time began or before creation, which should not be a shock, right? In passages that highlight the Trinity, the triune nature of God, that they're going back to before beginning of time, right? Because this is what he has always been. Okay, so what he has always uh, prepared for us, and that is the cross. The cross is what God has prepared for those who love him. Again, I'm not going to go into all of this. Um, but how does God reveal these things to us? How is this, gonna, how is this ever going to make sense? Right? And this is where the, the triune nature of this comes in, right? the Trinitarian uh, approach to this. It is the Holy Spirit who reveals these things. Okay? Uh, these are the things that God has revealed to us by His Spirit. So you notice here, maturity in, in this passage, right? it's not about how long have you been a believer. It's not about your intelligence or your ability, right? That none of that is maturity. Like we oftentimes confuse that. People who know a lot of the right answers are mature in the faith. People who are gifted and, and can apply those gifts in ways in front of the church are mature in the faith. Those are not necessarily true. Those who understand the wisdom of God is counter to the world as it is because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to them and they have accepted it. That is maturity. Right? They understand the power and wisdom of God, and they live in light of the power and wisdom of God. And the Holy Spirit is our guide to the wisdom and ways of God. He's the, he is the way we understand this. 
Um, I should make a little side note because uh, my printer is broken, and so I had to handwrite my notes. Guys, this is really hard. Like, this is, it's like I'm reading in tongues. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what I'm reading here. This is fun. Um, and I handwrote these at like 4 o'clock this morning, so it's even worse. I'm just, okay. So, the Holy Spirit, if I can put it this way, and this may be slightly loose in, in my language here, but uh, his, part of his job is to spill the secrets of the Trinity. Okay? I give it, he's given to us to dwell within us so that we have access to the conversations that God, the triune God, is having amongst himself. You see? What is it that God is thinking about? What is he talking about? What is the Lord planning? Well, guess what? How does he tell us? The Holy Spirit. All right, I'm going to just keep reading. I'll pick up halfway through verse 10. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining the spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Okay, there, there's a lot we can unpack here. I'm just going to focus on a couple things. And I'm just drawing out what is pretty clearly stated. This isn't revolutionary. The Holy Spirit, God's very own presence, reveals God's inner thoughts to us. Okay? He teaches us God's ways. Now, He can do this because He is the very Spirit of God, right? And one writer put it this way He is the interior expression of God's own being. Yet there is a distinction, right? There's enough of a distinction that the Father sends the Spirit, okay? But He is God's own Spirit, eternally dwelling with Him, given to us so that we can understand what God is saying and doing. And you'll notice the phrases in this passage, right? The thoughts of God. The mind of the Lord, the mind of Christ. Right? And it just kind of weaves them in and out. They're all together. And that's what the Spirit reveals to us. Um, the, the, there's a similar point in, in John 16. Uh, Mary, you want to bring that up? Okay. Uh, so this is Jesus. This is actually from the same, uh, same general passage that we talked about last week in John 17, right? This is Jesus' final uh, meeting with his disciples before he's betrayed. And he says to them, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Right? You see that? Holy Spirit spilling the secrets of the Trinity. What he hears, he tells us. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is, that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me 
what he will make known to you. Okay, so let me just draw out a principle here. God gives us his spirit so that we can grasp the deep things of God, right? The things that he is, uh, has been planning all along from before the foundation of the earth. His ways do not always make sense to us apart from the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit is the one who plays the, the primary role in revealing the heart and mind of God. Okay. And that is because, at least in part, He is not external of God. He is not a separate being. He is a part of God's own identity. He knows the mind of the Lord because He is the Lord. Right? He knows the mind of Christ because He shares the mind of Christ. And so His job is to tell us. Now, let's, I want to take this principle, right? That it is through the Holy Spirit that God reveals in His ways and His wisdom to us. And I just want to apply this to what is one of the most uh, Trinitarian disciplines we practice as Christians, right? And that is prayer. Whether you realize it or not, prayer is perhaps the most Trinity-infused thing you do as a believer. Uh, so that's where I want to go back to, to Romans 8, which um, Ethan read earlier. I should probably turn there as well. Go ahead and turn to Romans 8, uh, 26 and 27. Again, broader context. Um, in some ways, it's similar to Ephesians 1 we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, we have been adopted as children of God. Um, because of what Christ has done on our behalf, we have an eternal inheritance with Him. And the Spirit testifies to us in our hearts that we are, in fact, children of God. Right? That's very similar to what Ephesians 1 uh, we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, but where Paul goes with this in this chapter, right, doesn't change the fact of our, our current suffering, our current weakness. And in this chapter, it really is about uh, current suffering and eternal glory. Right? And what do we do as the people of God in a, in a time and a place where suffering is just a part of our daily, daily life, and yet we know there is eternal glory to come? How do we handle this? And that's what this chapter is all about. What do we do in our weakness? All right. I'm going to read uh, verse 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Okay, so the simple application of the principle, right? The principle is uh, the Holy Spirit reveals God's ways and wisdom to us. And so, how it applies in prayer, just, I mean, this is, again, I'm just stealing it right out of here. The Spirit helps us pray. The Spirit helps us pray. Um, right? Oftentimes, I find myself weak in faith and not knowing how to pray or what to pray. The Spirit helps us. He intercedes, is what verse 26 says. He intercedes for us. And this is fascinating because the Father knows our heart and He knows the mind of the Spirit. Catch that phrase, by the way. Mind of the Spirit. We just had mind of Christ, mind of the Lord, the thoughts of God. You see, this is all one big picture. And the Father knows all of that. And the Spirit can intercede on our behalf because He knows the full will of God. 
Because the Spirit dwells in you, He knows what's going on in your heart better than you do. And because He is God Himself, He understands what's going on in the heart of God better than you do. Praise the Lord, He can do both of that at the same time. And He's a gift so that we can connect that way in ways that we simply do not understand because we are too weak. Right? I mean, have you ever been at a loss in prayer? I don't know what to pray right now. I mean, I've had days where I just, my heart ached so much that I had no words, I could not describe it, I could not pray anything, and I was hoping that God somehow can interpret the ache in my heart into an actual prayer. According to this verse, that's exactly what happens. That's exactly what happens. How can I be sure that God hears me in those moments? Well, because the Holy Spirit is communicating on my behalf. He knows what's going on in me. And the Father knows what's going on in what the Spirit is doing at all times. And so he can make this, and not saying it happens in the moment, <laughs> but suddenly God's ways and wisdom start to make more sense. Right? And I start to build trust. And even if I can't articulate how is this working and how does this fit into my present weakness and suffering, and yet I'm filled with confidence knowing that God actually is hearing and moving because the eternal Spirit of God who has always existed and knows the mind of God is also in me working on my behalf when I'm too weak and cannot figure out what God is doing. And there are multiple texts with this. Go ahead, Mary. Let's, let's bust it. I'm just going to fast pace here. Ephesians 1, 17. This is uh, Paul praying. Keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit, capital S, you notice that, of wisdom and revelation, so that you may know him better. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. Right? You see, this is the prayers. That's what the spirit does. In Acts 13, 11, it's in the story God has worked out a plan that the gospel would be preached to all nations. From before the time began, he was working on this plan. And how did he reveal it? While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. This is at the church of Antioch. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The Spirit is the one who revealed to the church what God was planning all along. What do I have for the next one? Do I have the next one? Ephesians 6, there we go. And pray in the Spirit. Oh yeah, this great phrase. Pray in the Spirit shows up on a couple different occasions uh, in, in the New Testament. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. we got one, one more, right? Jude, verse 20. But you, dear friends, I preached on this the first Sunday of this, of this year. By building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. And guys, just for the sake of time, I'm not even jumping into the gift of tongues today. Uh, which is another way we can talk about this. Okay, you see, this is a common theme. How do we know where the Lord is guiding us? How do we know the ways that He's working within us and through us as individuals and in the church? It's the Holy Spirit. And that shouldn't be a shock, and I doubt it is, but it shouldn't be a shock because the Spirit has always been with Him. Right? So this is really the same point I have been making every single week. You might be thinking, Dan, you're repeating yourself. Well, yep, I am. Okay? Ephesians 1, the first passage we talked about two weeks ago. God's own internal and eternal blessedness. 
extended to us in the way He redeems us, right? Our salvation, willed by the Father, accomplished in the Son, applied by the Holy Spirit. Last week, God's own loving nature expressed within the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit for all of eternity, extended to us, right? The love of God, demonstrated in the Son, poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Each of these aspects of our lives as followers of Jesus are thoroughly Trinitarian. Right? Father, Son, and Spirit are working through the whole thing. And that they are the eternal triune God extending himself to us. Right? And prayer is no different. Prayer is no different. So prayer really, if I put it this way, is an invitation to join into the conversations within the Trinity. Right? And that's what Jesus says. The Holy Spirit just tells you what he hears. What the Father and Son and Spirit are talking about, the Holy Spirit tells us. Even in phrases like, you know, in the New Testament, we talk about praying in Jesus' name, right? When we pray, we, pray, we end it usually with, in the name of Jesus. And there's a couple, you know, there's the authority aspect. People talk about, like, uh, in the New Testament, you get casting out demons in the name of Jesus, right? There's an authority to that. But there's also an access, right? The writer of Hebrews can talk about how we can boldly enter the throne room of God because of what Jesus has done for us, right? That is, uh, Jesus' name gives you access. When you show up in prayer, you're knocking on the Trinity's door saying, hey, can I come in? And when the, and the guy, this is you know, playing out the drama here, guys, work with me. Okay, and when God says, okay, so why should I let you in? He's like, well, Jesus said I can come. You're in. In Jesus' name, you get to come in. And praying in the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, the connection to the heart and mind of God, His role is to hear and to speak to us and for us. This is good news. This is good news. So this is what I want to do. It's probably the shortest sermon I've preached in this church in a long time, guys. Because we want to take time to pray, right? I hate when you get a sermon on prayer and then you don't pray. So we're going to take some time. Kelly, you can come up. Um, we're going to do this in maybe a couple parts. The first thing I want to do is we're just going to pray um, silently. And this is something, by the way, I should maybe make this point because uh, we have a lot of kids in there today. Uh, this is not like a 18 and over sort of activity, right? If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have placed your trust in Jesus, well, good news, the Holy Spirit's praying on your behalf too. And so what I want to do is just take, we're take two minutes probably of just in silence and ask the Lord to speak to you. You might have already in your mind a specific thing you want to ask him or pray about. Go ahead, ask him. You might also be like we all have experienced at some point and say, Lord, I don't know exactly what to pray. Just sit silently and trust that the Holy Spirit is communicating to you what he hears from the Father. Because that's what Jesus said. Jesus is not a liar. So that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. So we're going to do that, and then, then we'll transition to another point of prayer. So just take two minutes of silence. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the good news that you connect us to the heart and mind of the Father. We thank you for the good news that you are not actually silent, even when we're not sure what it is you're speaking, that you are constantly interceding on our behalf Revealing, revealing those eternal conversations, making the will of God. So, will you take 
this time of silence, we just ask, boldly, daring enough to believe that you are actually going to speak. So when you speak,